Hey agency owners, it's time for a new episode of the Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond, while reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. Before we get started today, I'd like to send you a copy of our brand new book, The Practical Agency, written specifically to help creative agency owners go beyond the creative side and build systems to simplify and quickly scale their agency to $100,000 a month. Go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash practical agency to claim your free copy. And now for the show. Hey everyone, we have Phil Case with us today. He's the president and chief client officer at MaxConnect Digital. His passion for the industry allows for Phil and MaxConnect to ensure the best results for his clients. Phil has over 15 years of experience creating curated marketing strategies for top global brands, including HP, Verizon, Splenda, and many others. Today, Phil and I are going to take some time chatting about the challenges that agencies face at different stages of growth. Welcome to the show, Phil. Great to be with you, Robert. Thanks for having me. Phil, having worked in the space for a long time, I mean, what I've seen is that agencies at different stages of growth and different phases, right, they have different challenges. And I know that you've had experience running ad agencies at multiple different stages of growth, from sort of the the seven figure one one million dollar line to five, ten, and then from the the ten eight figure to twenty five million in revenue. What sort of things have you experienced at those sort of stages of growth, and the distinction between each stage? It's interesting. There are more digital agencies and creative agencies in the country than I think most of us realize, and most are at that less than a million or just a little bit more than a million stage of revenue. And it is absolutely exhausting because as that chief principal around that million dollar in revenue, you're doing most everything. You're trying to be leadership and mentorship. You're trying to close deals. You're trying to make sure the business is, is getting done on the fulfillment side and you're helping run collections. And I remember in the early stages of my career, it was a, how do I close the business? How do I get the team to work through it strategically and productively? And then how do I get paid at the end after we've done the work and make sure the clients actually follow through? And there's just a, a certain anxiety that you don't, I think, sleep as well during those initial years. But that effort and that pressure is almost like the forming of a diamond. I feel for a lot of these agency principles and really the agency value itself, you start to find your way, you start to chart your course and really kind of discover what you're meant to be when you grow up. And those are times that I would never wish away, but it sure was exhausting. Yeah. I mean, there's somewhere in from the last time I looked fairly recently, there's over 400,000 digital and creative agencies in the US alone. 97% of them are below a million in revenue. And of those 97%, 85% are less than 100,000 in revenue. So there's 100% are in the space of I am everything to the business. I am lead gen, I am sales, I am delivery, I am client management, I am accounting, I am everything to the business. And it absolutely is, can be a bit of a struggle for a lot of those agencies, right? When do you invest? Where do you invest? How do you spend your time? And how do you manage that is definitely a big thing for agencies of that size. So early on in my career, I was part of an agency. We were doing less than a million. And the president of the company that had been there for some time left, pursue some other career opportunities. And the holding company ownership came to me and said, we have a decision to make. We can either shut this thing down. And for them, it was just a rounding error almost, or we have an opportunity to, to kind of lean in. 
And I knew I couldn't do it alone. I knew that for them, we had existed for about 10 to 12 years and we had never passed a million. We had never grown be kind of beyond that certain point. And so I began to look for a business partner. I began to look for somebody that was proven as somebody that was in the industry respected and that was complimentary to me. I was much more on the business development relationship side. And I just needed somebody that just had that vision creatively, that had that vision from how teams could come together and building leaders with from within that I could work alongside. And I spent several months looking for that individual in kind of our local area, and I found him. And he was amazing. He continues to be a good friend of mine today. And we have the utmost respect for each other and, and those things that we're good at. But that was kind of the starting point where we then took the next about nine years together and grew that agency to five million and grew it to about 34, 35 on staff and began to take on national clients. And we were recognized for, I think, six years in a row, not only in a local statewide sense, but nationally and winning global awards. And it was just fun. I mean, that kind of that decision point of finding the right partner, being able to lean in and somebody that we could have absolute confidence in one another in kind of our respective functions and responsibility. That was kind of the starting point of being able to find some scale and growth. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you pointed out one of the, you had a, an astute observation that a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in, right? The vast majority of entrepreneurs are highly intelligent, really easily adaptable, can find solutions to problems, and ultimately are used to often being the smartest person in the room. And it becomes like an, an ego-oriented thing for a lot of entrepreneurs where they, they enjoy that feeling. And rather than actually looking for someone that is going to be at the very least appear to them or someone that even has more experience and no longer being the smartest person in the room. Like I don't want to be in my company at this point, right? If I am, I'm doing something wrong. And you astutely figured out that, hey, I need someone that is at the very least appear for me that understands a complete different section of the business that I don't have that experience in that allowed for you. And it's a bit of a catalyst, it sounds like, for your for your growth. And it was interesting beyond that as we started to develop more clients. And you certainly know that as a small agency, it's we'll work with anyone and do anything you ask us to do. Those were the days where it's like, you have $500, great. Let's put a statement of work together and we'll, we'll, we'll get figure moving. it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then the blood, sweat and tears eventually allowed us to start to have some minimums and to start to know the type of clientele that we best served and the outcomes we provided. We got to a point when I was at a leadership retreat and there was some incredible kind of trainers and talking about developing influence and really along the lines of what you described and not only not being the most important person in the room, but how do you influence those that you recruit to be their best selves mm -hmm. and to develop leadership, mm -hmm. to develop passion and vision. And at that point, we had no vision. We had no mission statement. We had no, this is where we're headed as an agency. At that point, it was just a job. And one, one of kind of the key takeaways from that pivot point, I would say, in, in the agency was that drive to become something far more from a passion perspective from engaging everyone at their core from finding what was meaningful for them. And we ultimately developed kind of a manifesto that we could rally around. We developed a leadership team of seven men and women that came together that we would kind of bring the future of the agency, our annual planning, our leadership and training to. And that began to make a, a large difference in addition to finding a business partner. 
a few years later, it was developing a, co a core team that we could bring the weighty matters to. And we found more importantly, that were completely bought in to where we were headed, that could then go influence their peer group, that could then coach and mentor them and kind of nudge them along the way. And that was a real learning opportunity for me to realize the strength of teams, the strength of councils, and what a management team beyond just kind of the agency principles was capable of doing. Yeah, having that sort of North Star, right, for yourself and for your team, where you're having every person driving the car in the same direction, if you will, right? If you have people all manning the wheel and pulling the car in a different direction, you're bound to crash. But if you're all driving the car in the same direction, you'll get to your destination, whatever that might be. And having that North Star is incredibly important. And developing that leadership team, developing your team to be able to manage the people that are brought on as you scale, because ultimately, as I'm sure you started to recognize when you're at the $5 million number, you had a team of 35, you're not interacting with all 35 team members every single day. It becomes an impossibility, right? Unless your entire day is just in meetings, which can be quite gruesome to be in that place. So now you've gone from that seven-figure line, right? You're below seven figures to over and then grew to five million. And from that five to 10 million, I imagine that there was different things, right? At, at each sort of stage in growth, you have to reimagine how you're operating, who you're working with, how you're developing the team, how you're selling, all of those types of things in, in the business. And what, did your ex what was your experience in continuing to grow beyond that five million? What's interesting, it all came down to talent recruiting and being able to develop each team member from their sphere of influence, from their functional areas to becoming core experts. And as you said, I, it got to the point pretty quickly that I was good at a lot of early on the functions and the client services and fulfillment, but it got to the point that I couldn't tell you what half of the, the team members really were able to do over time just because they were far more skilled at their craft than I was. And so where we spent a lot of our time in that kind of next stage of growth was around finding and defining uh, with clarity our core values, what was most important to us as an agency, what aligned with who we were in our manifesto. And they, they say that a core value is not a core value unless it's something that you'll hire and fire for. And as harsh as that sounds, there were some individuals. I remember one, I remember one day and it was just still a devastating day in my career, but there were three individuals that it kind of roughly at the same time came together that we just felt uncomfortable with how things on, on the teams, the relationships and kind of emotions were brimming and it kind of came down to these three individuals weren't aligning with our core values. And I had to sit down with all three of them and on the same day, let them go after this was with many conversations, but it was that important after those individuals were gone, there was almost this burden lifted from the agency's back because we could then communicate more freely. We could live according to our core values and uh, allow for that continued talent development and growth. And so that next stage of growth really came down to finding the finding, recruiting, and retaining top talent individuals that were recognized in their respective functions. And it was amazing to see that begin to develop. I wanted just to share, just because I, I know I'm talking about it, the reason why we existed, that we created was to create things that matter. What we valued was quality. We valued creativity and we valued passion. And then we defined how we treated each other and the things we would, we would not tolerate. And, and, and those things and having that kind of overarching thematic goal and really defining what valued, what we valued as an agency, I think that made a difference 
And that kind of propelled us to finding that like-minded group of people and ultimately seeing some great success along the way. And yeah, the, one of the things that I've sort of found quite a lot is a breakthrough is immediately after a break with, and as you kind of were just describing, right, that you had to get rid of a couple of people that were ultimately not aligned with the culture of the business. And, and ultimately, I mean, I've seen time and time again that having the right culture fit with a team member is, I don't want to go as far as to say more important than talent because they're both extremely important, but it, it can almost be even more important than talent because you can completely drag down the entire team if you have the wrong person. And they could be a phenomenal talent, phenomenal at their craft, phenomenal at what they do, but if they're not aligned with the culture of the business, they're going to drag everyone and everything down. And ultimately, just so incredibly important to make sure that you have the right team so that it's motivating the team, it's energizing the team, everyone feels like they're working as a team, right? I mean, us as human beings, we're a herd animal, right? We enjoy being part of a community. We enjoy being around people with commonality. And when you have a culture that feels divided that way, it causes issues within within the culture, within the company, and, and where you're ultimately headed. Kind of curious question around as you were going through now in this growth stage and you're talking about investing into the team and ultimately growing the team, how did you prioritize your time and ultimately the investment into team members and your management teams and your leadership teams? And how exactly did you determine, all right, this is the right time for us to invest in bringing this particular person on and investing in this particular department for growth? Yeah, no, great, great question. With any agency, as you would imagine, sales come first and, and fulfillment. And as we started to build and grow those teams and begin to look at other job functions, one of the things that I had spent most of my time prior as we kind of got to that $5 million level was on business development, was on relationship development. And so one of the hires I made was to step out of the day-to-day -day of that and have one or two and ultimately three individuals that were doing sales, doing business development, developing relationships and partnerships. And I would help with the strategy and help close the deal, but they were doing that heavy lifting that allowed me to spend most of the day being able to guide from a leadership perspective. I had a series of about six direct reports that managed most of the agency. And so I was able to spend time with them working through challenges and problems and I've found that when in leadership, it's how do you push down a problem to the lowest level and as much as possible. And if you can get somebody on the front lines to solve and think for themselves, that's always immeasurable. If you can even get their direct report and manager to be able to put out those day-to-day -day fires to begin to think holistically and innovatively, that matters a lot too. And so as we developed a business development function, we also started to look at marketing. We started to look at operations. And one of the things during that period of time was as we started to scale in terms of team was what were those repeatable processes? And we documented them. And we found out that there was about 15 to 17 unique things that we did every single month as an agency that were repeatable. And we documented those, we made them digitized, we trained the team on those. And that was the other thing I would say is that in addition to heads down and, and kind of grinding, it was important for the team to reinforce the culture, to do training, to take a step back at times. And so we tried to do that at least a few times a year. And we would do a complete offsite, shut the agency down for the day and go off into the mountains. We would go off and go to 
something completely different from an aquarium nearby to doing an obstacle course throughout the, the state. And those things where you just take a step back and allow the team to gel, allow training to occur, allow kind of big picture, where are we headed? And really discuss weighty issues and allow the whole agency to weigh in. Those were the breaks that kind of the point of refreshment where everybody just came back rejuvenated. They were engaged and they were excited to kind of continue on the next chapter. And so that time just to pause, to reflect, to allow the team to kind of rejuvenate. Those were key periods as well. And we tried to kind of work in training, so to speak, along the way. Yeah, you've covered quite a quite a few things. And I want to hit on a couple of them that I think was super interesting. One, I have a slight disagreement with you in that sales first and then fulfillment. I kind of think they go hand in hand. And yeah, obviously, you don't if you don't have the financial resources, then you can't bring on the people for fulfillment, right? So there's there's some truth, obviously, to what you're saying. But what can ultimately happen, I see happen for a lot of agencies is that if you don't have the processes and places you're dis- dis- discussing and you're pointing out, right, you kind of have to do them at the right times and making sure that you do have those process documented because ultimately quality can drop and reputation can be significantly impacted if you don't do it in the right order. So sometimes, as you mentioned at one point, it's like sometimes you have to take a, a bit of a step back, slow down a little bit making sure that you have the things that you need to have in place to allow for you to be able to continue to deliver quality product to your clients because otherwise you have reputational damage which ultimately will impact revenue long term as well so making sure that you're paying attention to that as you start to extract yourself i mean i I see time and time again and i think very astutely one of the things that you focused on was bringing on a team to manage leads to qualify people to start managing in business development but you didn't extract yourself, as you mentioned, right? You were still coming in and closing deals. You were still having relationships with clients. I far too often see agencies that are sub $3 million that have the owner trying to completely remove themselves from sales. And bluntly, I have yet to see an agency that is sub $7 million that didn't have the agency owner that was successful, did not have the agency owner involved in sales to some capacity. Because they're the ones that understands the agency in its entirety. They understand what's going on. They're supposed to be the visionary of the agency as well and can passionately sell the agency, right? And so, so often what an agency owner tries to do and they don't have the resources to bring on a lead gen person, a, a sales coordinator and a closer, they don't have the money for that. So they bring on one person and they think they've found this unicorn that's going to be able to do lead gen, is going to close deals, is going to do all this. And to be blunt, it doesn't work. I have yet to see it work. The only person that is able to do that is the owner, the entrepreneur, because they're able to be that multi-hat wearing person. And that is what an entrepreneur really is, is you're able to learn something new and put that hat on, take it off, move to the next. And you're constantly going through that, especially at the the smaller stages. So it's important to recognize. And for those of you listening, don't try to replace yourself from a business development perspective too early on. I know that in loads of instances, sales feels kind of like this thing that you're not good at, you haven't been trained at, but ultimately you typically speaking as the owner are the best person to manage that piece of it. And then one of the other things you mentioned that I thought was really important is starting to get your team to manage the problem rather than just coming to you to manage every issue. I've personally enjoyed being the superhero in saving the day and making the problem go away. Like it feels nice, right? But you're damaging your team, you're damaging yourself, you're damaging your business by not actually instilling that solution-oriented mindset into the business. You've talked about quite a few different stages in your growth, but I 
would love to hear from you. Like, what have been your highlighted main hinge points that you've seen throughout your time as a as an agency executive and managing an agency and owning an agency? What have been like those memorable moments, those hinge points for you? I mean, one thing that you just touched on, I think you're exactly right of pushing down problem solving to the lowest level. I remember sitting in a ballroom at a fancy hotel at a luncheon and that there was kind of a, a speaker of sorts that they had flown in from somewhere in the country. And I remember that it forever changed my paradigm as an agency leader. And he said, you need to stop being an, an Olympic athlete and become the Olympic coach. And you need to derive your satisfaction and your fulfillment in seeing your team succeed versus you being the one saving the day. And the moment that you can do that, you can begin to pass along a legacy. You can begin to build something far beyond yourself. You can have a greater influence. And up until that point, we were at that point, probably 15 team members. And I kind of felt like I needed to be involved and it couldn't succeed without me in certain areas. But the second I started to realize, wow, it's not, not only is it not about me and it was never about ego, but I can train that next generation. I know they're going to make mistakes. I know there's going to be frustrations. I know I could just solve it and do it easier. But if I could take a step back and coach and recognize that they're the next generation and that it's not about me winning the 100 meter dash, it's about them winning it and succeeding again and again and again and helping them pick them up when they fall, that was far more successful. I would say that very much was a hinge point from my perspective. The other thing, and I'll just be candid, that agency experience that I had with, with the one that we've been talking about primarily, that was about 12 years where I was there and kind of at the head. And we had an interesting kind of buyout experience with kind of our ownership group and me and others involved. And I left that agency in 2019 and it was very abrupt. And I was devastated because I was leaning in to kind of buy kind of full ownership of the agency and had gotten funding and it was kind of that next stage of growth and end of my career. And it was right before the pandemic, as we know. And at that point, I, I was at a crossroads. It was a hinge point. And I didn't know what my next step was. I had scaled an agency to kind of that five to 10 million range. And I knew I, I liked what I was doing and I was good at it. And had learned some of the hard lessons of leadership and hard knocks. And I started to meet with other agencies and I spoke to agencies that were in the hundred to million, hundred thousand to million revenue, other agencies that were one to five, others that were five to 10. And my brother-in-law, as I was hiking a mountain, about 12,000 feet in elevation near me, middle of the night, it was like three or 4 a.m. And as we were talking through kind of various options and choices and kind of the next step in my career, he said, you've already grown something to 10 million. You've already been down that path. You've already you know, you know, you can do it. What's far more hard is to grow something to 50 million, something to hundred million. You haven't done that before. It's going to take a whole other level of kind of leadership and vision and, and strength. And, and one of the options that I was looking at was, was coming in the, the agency that I am today. And we're about this year, we'll do about 45 million. And it, it was a completely kind of different set of parameters, a different game. It kind of felt like playing in kind of high school and collegiate leagues. And I feel like I'm finally <laughs> in the NFL and it, and it's, a, it's different table stakes, the size of our clients, the amount of money that they're investing with us, the size of the team, we're about 60 now. 
And, and so it's been fascinating at that pinpoint in my career, I decided to lean into something into the unknown. I now have the opportunity to be part of a much larger team. And to your point, while I'm still involved in a lot of the sales and the closing, I have a sales team of about 15 that are doing a lot of that, bringing in the business and closing it. But one thing that we've done to remain really close to our clients and to, to really understand what's valuable to them, we have a C-suite team that every single month we reach out to about three to four kind of key client relationships individually. And so every single month we're able to, to meet with about 10 to 12 of our clients. And then that's kind of a little bit of a, by the time we've gotten to the end of the year, we've spent 30 to 45 minutes with kind of those key client relationships that we have as an agency and making sure that not only they feel valued, but we understand what the challenges they're facing. We understand how our team's mm -hmm. been servicing them. We understand where quality is. And, and when you have a team and, and clients of 150 in nature, it's hard to do that from a, you know, executive level. And so continuing to remain close if and where possible, not just managing through your team, but even having those direct contact and being able to get to know those that you service on a very personal level, it matters a lot. And there's a lot of innovation that comes along the way and kind of learn in those next stages of growth that you're not only managing through influence, but as we talked about earlier, the, the, the teams, the systems, the operations, the processes, those things matter a lot. That repeatable, this is the thing that we're good at in quality and you continue to look for innovation. And so it's been fun now to have just a little bit more breathing room where we're not worried about making payroll the next week, but we're rather able to take a step back and say, what's something that we can do to create market changing technology? And that's kind of the path that we're on today and continuing to look at innovation and some of the dramatic shifts that we're seeing. So it, it's been a fun journey being able to kind of go from really small to, are we going to make it to being able to, to create something that, that that's been world-class. That's awesome. I mean, I think that your brother-in-law, I believe you said, or a family member, they called you out and saying, hey, you've already done this, but what's going to be hard is taking it to that next stage. And part of the entrepreneur journey is starting to enjoy the uncomfortable, right? Like always treading into the unknown, going into a place that's pushing yourself. And one of the things that is like ultimately the most important to me is just continual growth and whatever that means, personal growth and knowledge growth and development and just always being a better version of myself every day. And I think he called you out for it and you right, rose to the occasion. So that's amazing. Phil, thanks so much for joining us today. If you've got some listeners that are wanting to get in touch with you, how can they find you? How can they get in touch? You can find me on LinkedIn, just at Phil Case. You can also feel free to reach me. I'm sure Robert will publish my email address and would be happy to ever have a conversation, answer questions and provide any sort of perspective and guidance that I've learned along the way. Awesome. I'll make sure to get all of those contacts in the show notes, everyone. And thanks so much again, Phil, for joining us today. Thanks, Robert. Good to be with you. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Now, chances are, if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now, then you may be feeling like this. Because I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly like too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs. So I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what I'm going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do. Now, of course, this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things. But at one episode per week, it's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. 
So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now, so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell because if I don't sell, I don't make our I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I char typically charge one client at $3,000, anywhere from 2000 to 3000. Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we want to make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens, boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's gonna work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I wanna deliver. And it, yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks, and I'll see you inside the program. Mm-hmm.